Colours of Memory was an international conference on the writing of Jeff Dyer. This podcast is a talk given by Bianca Leggett from Harlexton College, University of Evansville. Here she is with All at Sea, Soldiers and Slackers in the Writing of Jeff Dyer. I set myself the task of uh, writing about uh, Jeff's latest book before I knew what it would be. Um, That was really just some sort of attempt to be kind of gallant, I think. Um, But it's been an interesting exercise, really, to... um, to do things that way around. Um, so um, I uh, have been, I suppose, digitally stalking Jeff for a little while. I've put up out a Google alert on him, which means actually I've read a lot of uh, a lot of articles by the other Jeff Dyer, who is also also a delight. But uh, I am enriched by both of those things. Um, so um, when the uh, the new book came out, it was as uh, unexpected as we have grown used to expecting in a a diarism, uh, a contradiction of terms there, uh, and uh, not something I would ordinarily have uh, signed up for. I don't consider myself to be someone who knows very much uh, about the military, especially not about um, naval uh, aircraft carriers. So I'll see if, I, if I've got all of this this right. So this um, this latest project of, of Jess, if you haven't seen it, is a writer-in-residence uh, project which has produced a very beautiful book, a combination of writing and photographs, uh, which describe his time on the USS HW George Bush, um, an aircraft carrier. Um, so when this uh, came out, I first of all I, I panicked. I thought I'm the wrong person to write about this. I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm I'm a bookish person, not a military person. And then I, I thought about it. I thought, you know, um, this is a subject that uh, that Dyer has has chosen. Um, why is that? You know, we think of him as uh, writing from this sort of flaneur perspective, as someone who has uh, made this trajectory from Cheltenham to the uh, all of the centres in the world of uh, art and colour and uh, patisserie. Uh, so um, why he's decided to go on this aircraft carrier, surely the place where croissants go to die, uh, was something I would have to uncover in my research. And I realised after a very short amount of thinking that really... Um, uh, engagements with the military are there throughout uh, Dyer's work from the missing of the Somme to uh, certain essays in Anglo-English attitudes, uh, just moments of banter between characters in Paris trance, Alex and Luke bond over the realisation that they're both uh, essentially Second World War men and uh, the films that they share. So um, so it's always been there, but um, thinking about this conference is about the spread of uh, Jeff Dyer's work from um, The uh, from the Colour of Memory uh, 25 years ago to now, I thought, what's happened? Has this, this slacker persona that comes through in that novel turned into a soldier? Or have these two poles always been generating some sort of energy between them are there other ways of of understanding these these sort of twin fascinations twin ways of of life and i've really used that as my my frame today um so in this paper i'm going to think about dyer's position in relation to his subject uh, in this book um as a detached observer but one who's also embedded within the experience he's recording connected to the way life is lived on the aircraft carrier in ways that i think are quite unexpected uh, I'll be using the photographs from the book, but those are taken by Chris Steele Perkins, a.k.a. The Snapper, uh, in the book, which work alongside Dyer's text. Um, uh, interestingly, at the uh, LRB, um, I think uh, Jeff quoted Berger saying, what you want to avoid in a book of words and pictures is tautology. So the words and the pictures are do 
doing something different, I think. But um, I've sometimes used the pictures as a way of getting underneath something that um, I'm seeing in the writing. I think they generate an interesting story together. So uh, apologies to the snapper for my terrible scans, which really don't do justice to the photographs. They are really crummy, so I, I do apologise. So to begin, um, bodies are very important uh, on this very crowded boat full of people. Uh, I like this guy over here whose crossed arms seem to uh, uh, to parallel that, that crossbar of the tube and his enormous torso like that huge trunk there. He's also this sort of mechanical part of the boat. Um, we become very aware of Dyer's physicality on the boat because he is so tall. In fact, not the very tallest man on the boat, it turns out, but uh, almost. Um, and uh, this all automatically puts him at a remove and at a disadvantage. Um, of course, we're used to uh, Dyer using that, that disadvantage um, to set himself up as the as the butt of the joke very gallantly, really, very often, but also as a as a way in, as a as a kind of sympathy towards his subject. There's a moment I love in um, in an essay in Anglo English Attitudes in which he uh, flies in an MIG twenty nine fighter plane in Russia uh, and has trouble getting his suit zipped up. Uh, not his fault; it's a faulty suit. Um, insignificant in themselves, little things like this, like the zip problem with the G-suit, which wasn't my fault at all, are yet indications of some larger personality disorder. It's beginning to dawn on everyone in the group that I possess that mysterious combination of qualities that enables a man to fuck up in every imaginable circumstance. The wrong stuff. Uh, I think we've all had moments of feeling like we have the wrong stuff, but this, this wrong stuff breeds a kind of humility and openness to his subject rather than a claim to authority. No one comes out worse than the author, and this becomes his way in. Um, it's um, Dyer's feeling of affection and admiration towards the people he meets, which is in some ways unexpected. Uh, my own research has been into uh, English writers writing about the experience of being abroad, and certainly when it comes to that transatlantic connection. Uh, I'm amazed how many times Kingsley Amos has come up today that I can bring him in again, uh, or your Evelyn Wars, that kind of quite haughty, quite snooty, voice uh, in which the joke is always always on the Americans. We have this flipped uh, in this uh, perspective. Um, American military might, whether we like to acknowledge it or not, and the English attitude um, to Americans um, in these books runs the risk of a certain hypocrisy. There's a sort of joke on these vigorous Americans versus sort of brainy writers, which uh, seems to... Um, to fail to acknowledge the, the relationship between uh, the American military and the British military and uh, foreign policy and so on. Um, Dyer expresses pleasure at the thought of being surrounded by American voices, American friendliness, American politeness, American Americans, uh, and is unapologetic in that which is refreshing. So in this uh, photograph, um, we can see uh, Dyer dressed in the same kit as the uh, the rest of people on board, but the only one shading his eyes, he is literally seeing a little differently from everyone else in their enormous uh, shades. Uh, I think the whole experience of being on, on the carrier seems to work against the writing life. The very first thing that happens to Dyer as he tries to, as he travels to the boat in, um, to the ship uh, on, on a plane, 
is uh, that he's divested of his notebook, of his computer, his, his tools of writing. Uh, he's also told that he will share a room with five other men. He exclaimed, six in a room, but we writers need a room of one's own, I claimed, trusting that any grammatical damage would be more than offset, in the eyes of the Navy, by the Virginia Woolf illusion. I'm interested that, that <laughs> Woolf has managed to pop up a couple of times, too, a few times in the... Uh, in the book. Um, so the illusion is either lost on Dyer's listeners or else they're just not in the mood for laughing at literary jokes. But either way, even the, even the literary joke is somehow pulling him outside of the experience rather than inside. Um, so, um, and then, but on the other hand, literary references are, um, are everywhere in this book for describing Dyer's experience. But I think significantly through American authors, Tom Wolfe, John Updike, Annie Prowl, Walt Whitman, Ernest Hemingway all get mentions. Uh, the use of the word grace in relation to uh, these very skillful uh, men seems to me very Hemingway-esque. Um, Dyer finds himself impressed by the American walk and its subdued swagger um, and by the, the men who handle the heavy machinery, their skill. Uh, it seems something about that kind of pared down muscular prose and, and its, uh, its admiration for uh, the, the working body um, is something that uh, Dyer is having to, to channel through an American literary inheritance. Um, also, there is a wonderful moment where um, uh, Dyer meets the uh, Admiral on board, uh, Nora, Burr, I've forgotten. Nora Tyson. Nora Tyson, who is not only an incredibly impressive woman in terms of uh, being right at the top of, uh, of the hierarchy, but uh, is also an English major, someone who's willing to engage in talks about uh, that James Joyce. Um, so there's no condescension here about uh, the life of the brain and the life of the body pulling in, uh, in different directions. Um, Dyer's growing sense of identification with life on the boat is signalled in part at the level of language and his receptivity to Americanisms and American turns of phrase. Perhaps this is something I'm picking up rather than what's there. It's becoming harder and harder to pull apart what is an Americanism and what has become part of uh, English parlance. There's use of uh, plenty as an intensifier um, uh, all over the place. There's also a nice moment where um, uh, Dyer sees a sign which says, it isn't broke, you're using it wrong. Uh, this would usually, this would throw a sort of Kingsley Amos into fits of rage at the casual disregard of grammar, but he says, you know, it works, it, it conveys its message, it isn't, it isn't broke, he takes a, a pleasure in that, uh, in, in that non-hierarchical view of, uh, of grammar. Uh, it seems part of a conscious rebellion against um, the snobbiness of English culture, or perceived snobbiness of English culture, um, something which is particularly ingrained in British military life, and Dyer explicitly says, I wouldn't have wanted to have this experience uh, in the British military, which is so class-bound, uh, rather than the more meritocratic elements of the American forces. And of course, uh, we have uh, service men and service women on board the ship, which is uh, not something that's happened on this side of the, the pond as yet. Um, so he develops this this sense of belonging. Uh, I hope we started to see this tension emerging between a desire to be in a room of one's own, to have his have his notebook, have his tools of writing around him, and a desire to to belong, to blend, to adapt. Um, so for Dyer, this is um, an alien experience uh, in many ways, but in, in some small ways, it's also a return to origins. Um, we uh, discover that he, uh, Dyer's father was an aeronautical engineer and once a, a soldier. Um, this is a, 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 a boat which recalls fathers. I like this photograph because um, Bush Senior is literally looking over the, sol the, ooh, the shoulder of this uh, of this sailor, as is this figure from the past, this um 
this older pilot. So I think at times we get a, a, a deeper autobiographical glimpse of um, of Dyer's trajectory um, towards becoming a writer, something which has geographically taken him far away from his origins here and in terms of um, of his trade as a writer has taken him away from the trade he might have inherited um, from his father had he gone that route. Um, the book also has a, um, a sort of sadder cadence to it because uh, it's dedicated to Dyer's father who died shortly after the writing, the experience of, uh, of this ship. So, so something is threaded into the writing which must have happened during the writing process um, rather than during the experience, but somehow creates, um, again, this sense that perhaps something which we might consider to be at a far remove from Dyer is in another sense a, a return. Um, there is also a lot of anxiety about the business of writing. There's a moment in which uh, Dyer realises that a phrase he's used to describe uh, the corridors, and I think we can see from this, this picture why we would, uh, he would have reached for this metaphor, is, is as a hall of mirrors, only to realise that Tom Wolfe has used this phrase before. Now we have a lot of writers in the room, so I'm sure you know what that anxiety is. To be a writer is to try and be original, to defamiliarise things, to see things from a new angle, uh, with a new understanding. And that's a, a pressure which comes from the pressure to be individual and unique, um, which can be quite intense. Uh, life on the ship, on the other hand, is very much about working as uh, as one one cog in a, a bigger machine. Now, this can be a nightmarish image sometimes, or one of alienation. But um, a, in this photograph, the men look bathed in quite a clean sunlight. When you have a less a less foggy scan than I do, interestingly placed next to those um, cogs and wires, the angles again of the uh, of the the wires and the pulleys seeming to parallel those of the legs of the men. Um, but um, there's there's something satisfying about this locked-in experience, if I can use a phrase that came up at the uh, LRB the other day, of instead being efficient um, in a way which is re repetitive and communal, almost the opposite of the writing life. Uh, Dyer comments, I wanted to be there too, at the tip of the spear. This is the phrase that the crew used to describe the role um, the carrier plays in, in defence, or to have a ringside view of it anyway. And maybe something else was at work too. As a boy, I had loved war and soldiering. I grew out of this entirely healthy infatuation. And when I was a student, my life began to assume the opposite of a military bent in that through a combination of passive ambition and luck, I became, as adults say, my own boss. Freed from the chain of office command, I acquired a weird kind of self-discipline, all but indistinguishable from self-indulgence that became second nature. But during afternoons, when I could not bring myself to write in the evenings, when I did not feel under any compulsion to try, I read more and more about the military, becoming increasingly fascinated by a world that was the polar opposite of my own. Uh, those of us who have written, no, being your own boss is in its own way very, very punishing because we have to find that self-discipline over and over. We're not, we're not locked in. Uh, so in a sense, this is a, uh, this is a break from the writing life. But in other ways, life on the boat uh, reminds me of other moments in, in Dyer's work. Um, it's punctuated with moments of transcendence. Uh, uh, meditations on the presence of the colour blue. We've just been talking a lot about, about colour. Uh, always 
uh, stick out for me in uh, in Dyer's work uh, as something which is connected to these very lyrical passages about uh, being and, and nothingness, I suppose. Uh, sometimes he's carried away through music, uh, sometimes uh, through uh, a strange kind of tedium, which is in itself a transcendent experience of sorts, and I, I love this. Um, in Zona, Dyer writes, if the regular length of a shot is increased, so this is thinking about Tarkovsky's very ponderous uh, cinematography. If the regular length of a shot is increased, one becomes bored. But if you keep on making it longer, a new quality emerges, a special intensity of attention. The repetitiveness and intensity of attention required on board the USS George H.W. Bush is in itself a source of fascination for Dyer and a natural subject for him. Dyer is drawn towards experiences which blur the edges around the self, communal experiences which give the writer a sense of being taken out of his head emerging with a group. Um, he is made articulating that ineffable moment, his subject, finding a literary way to render what is a very visceral rather than verbal experience. In this photo we see sailors relaxing, but the red light here, which I believe serves a technical purpose of some sort, but I, I'm not sure what, uh, transforms the scene into something that looks akin to a rave. Uh, Dyer draws attention to the number of sailors who claim that if they hadn't joined the Navy, they would have ended up in prison. Dropouts and sailors have more in common than seems immediately obvious. At one point in Another Great Day at Sea, he finds himself imagining a phrase he has heard during the day while speaking to the warden of the ship's uh, brig, which is a, the phrase, get a hit, and I can't say this with the right accent for it to come across. He imagines this phrase on a, on a loop as part of a sort of electronic pop track. Uh, he takes pleasure in this repetition on board, the repetition of the phrase another great day at sea or variations thereof every day um, becomes a source of satisfaction. Uh, even the, the prayer at the end of the day uh, becomes a source of pleasure. Uh, but here perhaps in the religious element uh, we see Dyer reaching his limits of identification in conversations with uh, believers, uh, with what are some of the many evangelical Christians on board he finds a disconnect where he cannot cross uh, a point where he he cannot truly uh, slip into the same mindset. As I've sought to demonstrate, Dyer finds himself vacillating between complete identification with his subject and moments where he must draw apart, a productive position for a writer who needs to empathise with his or her subject, but also to maintain a critical distance. Dyer identifies himself as a civilian, a category in which we are included as a reader, and points out that this comes with certain privileges and engenders warm feelings towards the people he meets. Being a civilian, and therefore without rank, meant that I was treated as though I outranked everyone. This willingness to step aside to let me pass was a demonstration, at the level of courtesy, of a larger point. They were willing to lay down their lives for me, for us. Dyer is in, is in effect embedded in life on board the ship. The practice of embedding journalists in the military, affording them protection and a certain access to soldiers, um, has come under criticism for the extent to which it curtails their ability to move freely, uh, and indeed by encouraging them to identify with the soldiers by slanting uh, their sympathetic identifications. Uh, Julian Stalabras uh, talks about the difference between the Vietnam War and the Iraq War in terms of the freedom of its journalists to, to move around, that embedding um, uh, leads to a certain control of output. Uh, we're given moments in Dyer's book where he acknowledges the limitations of his own vision. Uh, one is in footnote, uh, footnote, which follows a passage in which he praises equality between the sexes on board. I have recorded what I saw and heard, and my impressions of what I saw and heard. 
for an investigation of sexual abuse in the US military, see Kirby Dick's documentary, The Invisible War. It's a very hard-hitting documentary, which um, certainly reveals uh, a flip side to that. Uh, Dyer's embedded position prevents him from doing more than pointing outside of the margins of his own book towards other sources. Um, this is not investigative reporting as such. It doesn't, however, prevent him from commenting on some of the ironies which become apparent to him while aboard. Dyer offers the following. Critics argue that the first Gulf War and the invasion of Iraq were all about America's insatiable need for oil. What do we need this oil for? To sustain our presence here, to keep flying missions. The, oh, um, the whole enterprise reeked of oil. Planes were taking off. The fact that cranials insulated us from the ear and sky-splitting noise emphasised the tremendous forces at work. There was an acute sense of thousands of years of history and refinement. The refinement of the urge to make war and the need for oil in order to do so. Converging here. We're reminded at such moments that an aircraft carrier is not a novelty boot camp. It's a highly sophisticated floating military base, the tip of the spear of American foreign policy. It was a major part, this is the USS uh, George H.W. Bush, was a major part of Operation Enduring Freedom, that is the global war on terror. This year it was positioned in southern Turkey when tensions began to mount in Ukraine. As of the 14th of June, it's been positioned in the Persian Gulf to protect US interests in Iraq in light of the threat posed by ISIS. The Catch-22 circularity, the Dr. Strangelove logic of Dyer's comment on war, oil and aircraft carriers is spot on. Yet it's hard to banish the feeling that any probing of the morally questionable nature of US foreign policy and that of its operatives, such as those aboard the ship, is not somehow neutralised by, on the one hand, politeness, uh, and on the other, from this pleasure in the rhythms of uh, life on board the ship, by its loops, its repetitions, its smooth-running cogs, the planes so like airfix toys, and the satisfyingly ordered mechanics of military life. Dyer observes action on deck and comments, The beauty of this performance was inseparable from its setting and function. The elaborate hypnotic choreography on display was devoted entirely to safety, to the safe unleashing of extreme violence. Violence, not just in terms of what happened hundreds or thousands of miles away where the planes were headed, but here, where the immense forces required for launch were kept under simmering control. The unleashing of violence is, of course, safe for those on board, not for those who will be on its receiving end. Dyer's commentary is, throughout, aware of its own complicity, as a writer who is nourished by the world of action, which is his subject, and as a civilian who is protected by the military. This complicity extends to us, the civilian reader, immersed in the military sublime, to use a phrase used about Simon Norfolk's work, admiring a plane in the sunset as if it were one of Brancusi's birds. And birds is this very poetic phrase that's used in connection to uh, planes um, throughout the book. Uh, safe at home, uh, we too are embedded in our way. Uh, and this, I think, shapes our, uh, shapes our reading of the book. Um, yeah, that's all for me. There are more talks about Dyer on the Pod Academy website, along with a reading from Dyer's new book, Another Great Day at Sea, Life Aboard the USS George H.W. Bush. This podcast was produced by me, Joe Barrett, for Pod Academy with Isabella Grotto.